This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. As always, my name is Russell Osborne and I am your host. This is an independent England football supporters podcast. I hope I find you well. Thank you very much, as always, for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed some of the recent episodes that have come your way. And there have been a few. I can't deny that. Uh, If you've missed any, well, you can find them all at your podcast provider of choice or... Three Lions Podcast.com. Now, as I am sure you are fully aware, the Qatar World Cup is fast approaching. It's the 22nd edition and it's the first to be held in the Middle East. Now, I've already done a couple of episodes on it throughout the year. You may remember one with fan leader Arjun Vara and also one with Qatari resident and England fan Ben Williams. As I'm sure you're aware, you can still tune into those at your podcast provider of choice. As I say, threelionspodcast.com as well. And I am pleased to say, in this episode, I am once again joined by Ben, who is going to hopefully clarify a few more important things before you all start to head that way. And also, I'll be joined by Canal Sapat, another fan leader, and someone I'm sure many will be aware of, through the England Block 109 fans group. Now, before I get on to that, I don't think I've actually said on this podcast what my own intentions are for Qatar. But back at the turn of the year when the whole ticket applications were opening, I made the decision not to go. It's a shame, but it's one I have made for multiple reasons. But in the main... It is the fact that without giving too much of my own personal information out, I am the primary carer for my daughter. My wife is the breadwinner, as it were. So I'm doing all the daily school runs, that sort of thing. And to go away to Qatar for a week or two and sort of drop everyone in it, um, looking after her, it's just not feasible. I can't do it. Plus, there is the pure financial side of things. I've not actively sought out the actual costs for it all. But I know at the moment, especially with general living costs, it's just not something I'm I'm really able to do for, for that longer period. I must admit, the time of year does disappoint me. <laughs> Although I, I am known as someone who doesn't like change. But to me, the World Cup is traditionally a a summer competition. And I kind of look at November, December as sort of a family time, what with the run-up to Christmas. But that's something I have got no power over whatsoever, clearly. Um, Obviously, my views won't be the same as everyone else's. But I must admit, the idea of giving the tournament to a country with very little football history still I don't know, it doesn't really sit well with me. But personally, I'd have rather have seen it given to Australia, who are sort of working hard on their domestic leagues. 
I think they would have seen more of a potential legacy than Qatar will. Although <laughs> I'm open to being proved wrong on that. Having said that though, I do like the sustainability of some of the stadiums that have been built. But I'm, I do wonder if some of these stadiums that have been built and, and aren't transferable to other locations, I do wonder whether they will become white elephants all within such a the small area that Qatar is. And this may seem rather narrow-minded of me, but I've never had the desire to go to Qatar. This, despite me personally, I've been to over 40 countries worldwide. And then there are the documented issues with migrant workers, the LGBT rules, the full facts and reasoning. They've just become a little murky over time. And whilst they don't directly affect me, Football should be an open game for all and shouldn't be concerns for people wanting to attend. FIFA, I think, FIFA really need to take a long look at themselves. Even the the next World Cup, the one in America, Mexico, Canada, three countries, 48 competing nations, that's likely to be hard work too. As I said, I really am someone who doesn't embrace change so much anyway. Despite my thoughts there, of course I want England to be successful come December and I really do hope all those that are going are going to have a great time. Of course, I will be highly envious when it starts and I'm sitting there in front of the telly. I can't deny that. But yeah, for a few people have asked, Those are my reasons for not attending the World Cup. But I do hope to bring you many podcasts and reaction from Qatar, from supporters that are over there. I hope to bring that to you as the tournament goes on. But before that, let's speak with Ben Williams, our Qatari resident, who's going to update us all on just how things are going on over there. That's my pleasure to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, England fan and Qatari resident, Ben Williams. Hello, Ben. Hey, Russell. Hey, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How's how's Qatar this uh, this mid-October day? It's uh, getting uh, crazier and crazier now. It's, Is it? Uh, getting busier and busier. Everyone's getting excited. You know, the usual last-minute panics in some lines of work, but uh, it's, yeah, everyone's... Uh, really looking forward to it now and uh, we're getting closer and closer all these years of preparation and you know development and uh, we're nearly there now excellent excellent well the the idea the objective of, of getting you back on and, and once again i thank you very much i know people are, are really interested to hear your expertise from from qatar is just to go through some sort of last minute situation scenarios that people may be concerned about or, or have some uh, little stresses about and hopefully we can put those to bed and and I've put some answers to some listener questions um towards the end of it um so yeah once again thank you for that so okay yep. we've we've got a little list here that we're going to work through let's let's start with the 
I guess the the more important things. Let's let's address COVID, the Etras app, and the Haya visa side of things. So, what what do we know on those? So, obviously, with, with the COVID uh, situation and the testing, I know that this is uh, a big concern for a lot of people. You know, testing before traveling, and in an ideal world, all these uh, rules will be removed. But there's still a chance. But let's assume that. What is happening as of right now is going to be the situation uh, come November. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of information out there. Some people take some sources and there's other sources. Even though I think from time to time, even the British government, Foreign Office website is can oft- often be outdated as well. So my first advice is always for everybody to uh, only look at Qatar's uh, Ministry of Public Health travel advice. Right. This is the official, uh, official advice. Um, so if anything does change, it'll be updated on there first before, before anything else. Do we know what that uh, website is? I do. I, I just search uh, Qatar's uh, travel policy and okay. come up with MOPH, which is Ministry of Public Health. Right. So if you search that, then you should you should come on the top of the page. Okay. Um, I know that, for example, when they've changed rules in the past, it's taken a few weeks to appear on, say, the British uh, government's foreign office website. So sometimes it's not always uh, other sources are not always as up to date. Right. Okay. That's good to know. So yeah. So in terms of testing right now, as of as of today. You have the option of either taking a PCR test uh, 48 hours before your uh, flight departs or uh, antigen test 24 hours before. This is before the flight departs. This is not, you know, before you, uh, before you arrive in Qatar. This is your scheduled flight time. So if you have a scheduled flight time from, say, 9 a.m. Uh, Heathrow Airport, you have to take the, and you take the antigen test. You have to make sure you take it after 9 a.m. 24 hours before the previous day. Some people have uh, connecting flights. Say, for example, you had a two-hour layover in Istanbul and you were flying you know, onward to Qatar. You're only connecting. So the 24 hours still goes from your, the time of your very first flight from, ah. from, from Heathrow. If you, of course, were entering Turkey, for example, and spending two days there, then the 24 hours would then be from uh, the date of your flight would leave Istanbul to come to Doha because you've, right. already, you know, you've spent some time in that country. Uh, and that's the antigen option. Then you have, obviously, the, the PCR, which gives you a bit longer. Uh, it gives you that 48 hours. So you have a choice of of essentially one or the other most people obviously going for for the antigen option is cheaper um yeah so that that's the rules um i know that some people are asking a lot of questions about what type of antigen test i know that in the uk and other countries you can get these ones you have supervised by somebody watching online or other tests you take and upload then to download your fit to fly certificate now in qatar as part the rules the rules actually state no self-testing but I, I have a feeling that all that kind of means that in this part of the world, for example, there's no such thing as having a supervised test or uploading your own results. You only go to a medical center. Yeah. So it, it could be a case of them meaning really that those don't turn up to the airport with a plastic test in your hand and say that you're free of COVID. <laughs> um, I've also seen examples of test certificates with these supervised ones. It doesn't mention anywhere on there that you've taken the test yourself. I know that a lot of people are still trying to find 100% clarity on this, so I don't want to be quoted on this, but I, I think that would be okay. But I don't want to be taken in as a, <laughs> no. as a, you know, a definite answer just in case, you know, someone does get called out. But I think that is okay. I know a lot of people have booked or are booking tests in, um, pharmacies. I know that we had some family visit uh, a week ago and they went, they booked, I think in Lloyd's pharmacy. It's cost 30 pounds, I think, for the test. Uh, for the antigen test uh, my father's booked exactly the same thing before he comes uh, for the world cup as well so there's that option as well so yeah that's that's the kind of the rules with the testing okay um there are things online about other things you need to do like uh pre-registration 
Um, you have the Etheraz app when you're here, but there's also the Etheraz pre-registration, online registration. However, as per Qatar's uh, Ministry of Public Health uh, site, it clearly states that higher card holders do not need to do the pre-registration. So they'd be exempt, exempt from that. And the only uh, way of getting into Qatar is with a, a higher card, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So in COVID sense, it's only the test. People might read old things where you have to sign some uh, acknowledgement form or you have to do the pre-Etheraz uh, registration. That is not required at all. It's clearly stated on uh, Qatar's uh, public health uh, website that higher card holders are exempt from uh, this pre, uh, pre-authorization or pre-travel authorization that you have to do. So that is, uh, that's not required either. So it is purely just the uh, COVID side is to get into Qatar. It's just the test. Okay. And the, the, the hair card, um, to get in, tell us a, a bit about the, the advantages of that. Yeah. So, uh, the higher card, first of all, obviously, as you, as everybody knows now, it's, uh, it's a mandatory requirement. Uh, it's not just uh, if you have a ticket, but to enter Qatar as well. You need that, you know, you need your accommodation booked, your tickets booked. But obviously at this stage, majority of people have all this, uh, all this sorted as well. Um, it's like a fan ID, you know, previous World Cups, there's been similar things, right? The fan yeah. ID, you show up at the stadium, or sometimes they ask for it, sometimes they don't. It, it does depend on uh, in tournaments in the past. Now you're, as per the visa element of it, I understand that uh, at some point soon, all the higher card holders will be basically emailed uh, a PDF, which is essentially the visa. Right. Um so you want to keep a copy of that as well. I'm not sure if they'll ask for that at the airport when you check in or just the physical or, or the higher card looking at on the app. I'm not sure. So as always, when you get this e- uh, email with the PDF, make sure you save a copy of that uh, with you as well. I know that uh, in this part of the world, they love paper, everything in paper form. So if you get the opportunity to print your COVID tests, your uh, PDF higher, then try and do it if you can. Okay. Obviously, if they're checking in the UK, maybe they're not so strict on on, on the paper side. Maybe it's not so bad, but... And also, sometimes people say that they want your vaccination certificate, but that does not matter anymore. Uh, everyone has equal, it's all equal uh, for everybody in Qatar now, whether you're vaccinated or not. But again, if you have, you know, keep the copy of it on your phone or whatever, just in case, because hmm. you never know. Sometimes you get some of the check-in agents, they, they don't always necessarily know the full rules. They might ask for something that you don't actually need. So it's, it's better to have it to be safer than sorry. Better to be prepared. Better to be prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and obviously with the hire, obviously you have this advantage now of when you're uh, when you're in, in in the country, you get the uh, free public transport using the metro. It's completely free then with a the hire card, and also recently announced as well that uh, hire card holders can pick up for free of charge a local SIM card as well, uh, which comes with uh, I think they call it I think it's 2022 minutes, 2022 messages, and 2022 megs of uh, data, I believe, oh, which clever. is uh, valid for three days. But okay. uh, of course, once you've got that, once those three days are up, you can you have the free card. You don't have to pay for it. You can get it as an eSIM or a physical SIM. And I believe you can also pre-order as well. Uh, you can pre-order it online as well. So you can just pick it up uh, when you arrive in Qatar. And of course, once the, those three days are up, you can use the app or go to the shop and add some more data if you wish. So it's a handy thing as well for people to have if they want a local SIM, uh, you know, even just for the three days. I believe it only becomes active once you put the SIM in and you connect to the local the network. So this is Oridu as well. Oridu is the network. Right. Um, so it's not the day, it's not from the time you arrive, it's from when you set it up. Fair enough. With the, the Haya, I believe there's there's an app to go with it that I think is is quite informative, isn't it? Yeah, there's an app on there. Um, I think you can do the application for the website part, but the app is basically also it's a digital card as well. You know, you have the QR code on there with everything on there. There's information on there. You have all the links to accommodation, the tickets. I don't think it links properly to the ticket side yet, but 
And there's also now there's a PDF, a huge PDF sort of fan guide as well. I think there's quite a few pages of information about the stadiums. It's got all the stadium layouts of all the blocks, you know, where the nearest cash machine is in the stadium, the, you know, where you want to store your baby strollers, all this information, you know, and yeah. uh, information about uh, transport as well uh, to and from the stadiums, uh, car parks, taxi uh, bays, all this information as well. Excellent. Well, let's move on to something that many people are thinking about um and it will sort of come into to fact with the the weather as well but the the general dress code of of what to to wear out there to to remain respectful for for the locals out there how how do we see that yeah so i think um a lot of you know what you see a lot of it published in the news i think is it puts people off a little bit or makes people a bit more worried uh, mm. than they used to you know when, we're not in saudi arabia you know uh so it's not uh you know, for example, I can walk around pretty much everywhere in shorts. And I'm talking shorts that come just above my knee. You know, people say, have your knees covered. There are certain places, government buildings, mosques, example. But these are not places that your average tourist is going to go to. There's maybe some more conservative shopping malls, but the general larger shopping malls, entertainment areas, it's gen- for, for, for men, generally your shorts. You know, you're not, you're not wearing hot pants, but, you know, if you've yeah. got shorts that come just above the knee or, or or any further below this is this is no problem you're going to be fine pretty much fine uh i i can't really see there being any cases and again you're gonna have a lot of people as well they're going to be a little bit more relaxed with these things i feel anyway when you've got thousands of people you know and it's a bit warm and they want to spend the day out and about you know i think that uh, i think the, yeah, the vast majority of places where people are going to be going then it's no issue yeah for the ladies, you know, there's a general rule, you would cover your knees, shoulders, but again, it, it does depend on, on, on where you are. I'd be a little bit more inclined to cover up in, in some cases, but I think when you're in the fan parks, in the stadiums, there's a lot more, it'll be a lot more relaxed, you know, and certainly when you're on a night out, if you're in one of the bars in the hotels, it's, you know, it's not quite wearing the same as what people wear in the UK, but, you know, for the ladies, short dresses, you know, this sort of thing is, is, is absolutely fine and, and normal when you're on a night out. Yeah. And obviously, coming with with wearing shorts generally implies that the uh, the weather is good. What's what's November weather generally like over yeah, in Qatar? November November you're going to get probably I think it's, it's it, on a really really hot day. If it does get really hot, you might get up to mid thirties, but the likelihood is it's going to be late twenties, early thirties would be the sort of the, your average uh, sort of daytime daytime weather. Evenings it will cool down a bit. I mean, there's a potential for rain this time of year. Okay. Uh, there might be some showers. Um, as you get further into the month or into the tournament, into December, I think back to when they had the Club World Cup here in, in 2019 when Liverpool were playing. Their first game was on December 18th, which would be the same day as the World Cup final. It rained in the morning and then uh, most people had to wear, ended up wearing a jacket or jumper in the stadium in the evening because it was actually chilly. Ah. But generally, you know, you're going to, I think most people coming from England, coming from the cold weather, I think uh, even in the evenings, I think, you know, people are going to be in majority in t-shirts, you know, I think they probably only have you know the air conditioning on in the stadiums, maybe for the you know the one pm games, maybe the four pm games. Hopefully not for the late games. Otherwise, you might find yourself a bit chilly in the, in the stadium. But uh, yeah. I think it should be it'll be okay. Um, I think back to the, you know some of the Arab Cup games I was at last year and uh, evening matches, daytime matches in November. I was in a t-shirt you know the whole time. Ah, uh, yeah. So I mean, we're talking a bit of sun cream as well. Yeah, bit of sun cream. Uh, you know, in, in sort of the summertime here, it's, you, you wouldn't get sunburn as much. It's very hazy, you know, and dusty and cloudy, mm. but not cloudy. But uh, here in the wintertime, it's much clearer. The sun is more direct. Um, so, yeah, bit of sun cream as well, yeah. yeah. Well, I know in the past when, when we spoke previously, we, we spoke about 
alcohol um, and that, that side of things. What do we know more about that? And as as well, coupled with the fan parks and any other general entertainment that people are looking to do? Yeah, so with, with the alcohol, obviously, we've always known that we've had it available in hotels. I think we're up to around 60 hotels, maybe licensed hotels now. You know, some of these maybe have six or seven, eight restaurants and bars within that uh, individual hotel. Um, obviously, all the talk was always going to be where fan parks, uh, stadiums, what what they were going to do. Now, we've at least had some confirmation now. We know right. that uh, the, the official fan park, there'll be a, somewhere within that where you can buy alcohol. Obviously, it's FIFA sponsored, so unfortunately, it'll only be Budweiser. But, you'll be, but uh, <laughs> uh, And this will not be all day. This will be a timing, I believe, from 6.30 p.m. And, until it closes, I think, at 2 a.m. This is, I think, they want to make it a, for the fan zone. It's, you know, it's the big, the main large fan zone. I don't think they want, they want it inclusive for everybody, you know, families as well, people of all religions. So I think they were a bit, I think we're a bit nervous about allowing people to drink all day long, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, from 10 a.m. until, you know, until 2 a.m. And uh, so I think they wanted to put maybe people off, people who are not used to that sort of environment, you know. Yep. You know, we talk about alcohol being available, but for the vast majority of people living in this country, in this part of the world, that's that's not in their culture. They don't drink, you know. Mm. They don't want to be around drunk people all the time. So there's that option for people to have a drink, but at the same time, we have to be respectful of those who, who don't want to be around it. Yeah. Um, so the fans on there somewhere, we then talk about, uh, you know, there's multiple now music uh, venues that have been set up. Uh, we have some top DJs in the world, you know, around the world coming. Uh, I think there's three, I think four music festivals set up now. I think one or two of them, I think at least three of them will have alcohol available. Right. Uh, one is confirmed now that'll be running from 10 a.m. until 5 a.m. Cool. Uh, that'll be one of them. And this will be with this big, uh, this is the Arcadia with the big spider they're bringing from Glastonbury, the fire breathing, okay. you know, spider, yeah. uh, which is rumored to be allow, uh, allowing alcohol as well. Uh, I think it is as per the timings of this. I'm not sure if it, if it really will be from 10 a.m. until 5 a.m. But we'll have to see. Yeah, but we have, yeah, we have, and then, then there's two other venues at the golf club. The golf club is a licensed venue, so this is probably the one place where they won't just serve Budweiser. You better probably get a bigger range of, of drinks. I see. Right. Uh, yeah. So they have another. I think one's called Daydream Festival, which would be more DJs, and they have another. I think another area now, another stage, which would be more bands and artists. I believe uh, playing playing here, um, and these are ticketed events for for the music festivals. You can buy your tickets online for these. Okay, just going back to the the fan park. Is there just one large um, fan park, or I think yeah. In, in terms of what uh, the fan park, there is pretty much one very large fan park. But there's many of us say um, places around the country to view matches, right? Uh, but the word fan park is only really used this one for this one location. I'm sure um, it'd be fairly easy to find, but if people look, yeah. But whereabouts is it? This is pretty much central Doha. Uh, central is in, you know, the, the modern part um, near the Corniche, you know, the waterfront that runs along the promenade and uh, in, in part of our, what's known as Alabeda Park uh, next to the West Bay uh, area. There's a metro station directly to it. Uh, the screen now is, you know, you've seen them erect the stage for the screen and it's, it's absolutely massive. I've, I've never seen a screen so big. Uh, and they've got obviously multiple screens as well there. And then obviously next to that, you've got the Corniche, which would be a, basically a six kilometers pressurized area shut from the traffic. Which and there'll be multiple screens along here as well, you know, as well as en- entertainment activities, you know, places to get food and things. And then there'll be screens, you know, uh, in these areas as well. Of course, the music festivals, some of them are running all day. There'll be big screens there as well. Right. I've seen screens going, you know, we've been heard, seen heard about screens going up in other places as well. 
Uh, they call it sort of a fan activation areas. It's like kind of a word they use. Uh. So there's these small areas of all around the country. So even though well, there's the official one large official fan zone, there are multiple other locations around the country okay. uh, for, for all sorts of people uh, to, to view the matches as well. So yeah, it's just you have this one fan zone, which will be the you know the one where you know they say alcohol will be available, and then of course we move on to the stadiums as well, which is also being confirmed another confirmed location for outside of the stadium once you're within the security perimeter that you've had uh, buy alcohol there as well. Right. And that is that percentage or is it going to be non-alcoholic? Do we know? No. So uh, once you are in the perimeter of the stadium, so you pass uh, the security checkpoint, I believe three hours before the match, you can go there and the alcohol will be available to buy. Right. Uh, Budweiser. Uh, Budweiser, you know, the, the, the alcohol, yeah. alcoholic one plus Budweiser zero. And that, they'll also have big screens there. So, for example, if you are going to watch the 7 p.m. match, you can turn up at 4 p.m., watch the 4 p.m. match on the ah, screens, yeah. have a beer before you go into the stadium. So there's another option as well for people, you know, if they, for the tickets they have, they can go there a bit earlier, avoid some of the crowd, I suppose, and um, and have a, and have a couple of beers whilst watching the, the earlier game as well. Um, and also one hour after the match, uh, after the, uh, to the final whistle, the bars uh, in this perimeter will also be open as well. No, you can drown uh, your sorrows also, or, uh, yeah, or celebrate. Yeah, yeah. So even for the 1 p.m. games, it should be available from, from 10 a.m. Uh, yeah. Once you're in the stadium, uh, once you you know you actually go through the turnstiles and you're in, then the alcoholic Budweiser will not be available. So right. not like previous tournaments where you've taken it to your seat. You know, this this will not be available. It'll only be the, the Budweiser Zero once you're inside the actual stadium. Yeah, in view of the pitch. In now, view of the pitch, yeah. Yeah. Just um, remaining on, on the alcoholic subject, I know you've been putting in the hard yards and and trying to come up with a a guide of sorts for for people looking to find these good deals which I know you've you've mentioned before yes yes so I've been putting together um uh, the last sort of couple of months now uh, basically trying to put together a guide of some of the best happy hour deals uh, the best you know I'd say best value for money brunches other drinks deals as well and the thing that we have at the moment is we have some hotels that are maybe doing will do slightly different deals come the time in the World Cup. So I'm waiting for a lot of you know get some feedback from 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 these. So it's something I put together, but I'll probably share it almost just before you know, right before the tournament probably by the time we come round. Because if I was to do it now, a lot of it would probably have to change. And yeah, but I'm trying to help out with people. You know, with, you know, I say that you know, some places have happy hours. You know, for a few hours a night, certain days of the week they might have happy hour for the the whole day. You know, so. We're waiting to see if these sort of deals will still be around or some might change. I think there's one hotel I got some details about last week and they're not doing their standard happy hours, but they have some sort of drink deals on, you know, a bucket of five beers for a set price. And they work out a roughly happy hour prices anyway, you know, but that's yeah. also going all day, not just for certain hours, you know, that, that's for their whole opening opening time. So waiting for, yeah, these some more specific details and I can put together this this guide and uh, and then, of course, I'll share it with with everybody. Be useful, not just for England fans, but anybody coming. And what was uh, that? Trying to avoid paying, you know, full price all the time. You know. So, yes. Yeah. The best way to to find that as and when would be what through Twitter or is what's your way of yeah, sort of distributing yeah, I'll do this? Social, I'll do social media plus you know the England fans Facebook group. You know the you know the places where people people will go as well. Plus, you know, I'm in a couple of WhatsApp groups as well with England fans traveling. So we'll share it around that that sort of way, really. So, but like I said, it'll be. Just before the tournament starts, probably by the time by the time I get that out. Do you want to pass on your? Do you want to make your your Twitter public here just for anyone that uh, wants wants to follow you? 
Uh, yeah, my Twitter is uh, actually my Twitter name is expat underscore Ben, but I don't think that's my handle. But the <laughs> I, I've got it here. It's uh, at Ben Williams nineteen eighty five. That that's the one. Yes, yeah. the one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm actually I'll... more. Uh, I'm a bit more prominent on uh, Instagram, which is just expat underscore Ben. Ah. Um, but Twitter, yeah, uh, I'll probably mention it on there as well. Plus, like I said, I post on the England fans uh, Facebook group as well. Yeah. Okay, great stuff. Look forward to that one. Uh, let's move on to accommodation. What do we know on that? Because I know there's been various stories about what sort of accommodation is is available and, and how to get that. I know many people have probably sorted that out, but you never know that people might be leaving it to the last minute. Yeah, I think, um, as you said, majority of people now, I don't get so many questions now with accommodation. The majority of people have their accommodation I, I in the past I was having many questions about is this a decent area and etc but uh, right now it seems to be that most have I, I do still believe that they are still releasing some accommodation from time to time so it's not like now it's completely all gone or there's only the really expensive stuff available you know some of the fan villages they've been building and, and uh, all these sorts of things now I think this was potential for some more as well if required I think I think that's that's right. the word if, if required and they still have some I think some alternate you know backup plans to add some more if if needed but i still think people are looking and there are i think i think they're adding now a third cruise ship but this will not be booked for the accommodation side this i think i believe this will be booked for the cruise ship company directly um but there was recently announced a third cruise ship will be coming as well okay that's good um your your occupation out there you're you're involved in the the train infrastructure i believe yeah yeah well for rail so metro yep uh, metro has been my life for the last uh, 10 years yeah yeah <laughs> so is it all all up and running and and are you happy with it yeah i mean the metro has been operational since 2019 anyway so it's not like uh, the metro has just come you know uh, like some of the other stuff is brand new you know but uh, this has been running and the operational side of it is fine you know we've had some you know we've had some big test events with you know think, think back to the arab cup last year i mean okay not as many days, but there were days where we had full stadiums, you know, exiting yeah. and entering, you know, the Metro directly from the stadium before and after matches. So there's been the multiple, uh, multiple test events. Obviously now we're working on things like crowd control, you know, around the stations on the outsides and everything. So I think, you know, I think people are still going to have to expect, you know, to, to, to maybe queue, you know, say after a match, but it's like anywhere in the world, you know, if, if you're leaving a 60,000 seater stadium, you're not jumping straight on the train after no. the match, right? It's it's going to be, but I think you've got the advantage now of being able to stay in the stadium for another hour if you want to, you know, a couple of drinks. So you don't necessarily need to rush off. And of course, with the gates opening earlier, people can uh, the staggered probably be a staggered arrival for people as well. You know, we have things like uh, floor sensors on the turnstiles, so the turnstiles will be open. You know, during the you know the floor sensors will count the number of passengers, so you won't have to go and scan your car necessarily. Uh, okay. Before or after a match, when there's bigger crowds, you know, to help help with the flow of the crowds. Plus, you know, a large number of volunteers there. You got the crowd control, uh, you know, out, outside. So I think uh, it'll be okay. No, you know, from time to time you'll have to queue, but um, we're positive that everything will run. Everything will run smoothly. Ah, excellent. Sounds sounds good. Sounds like it's been organised down to a T. From what you say there, I mean, just other if people are or not taking the train, are there, are there other ways of getting around um, the country? Yeah, so you obviously got the, the buses. Uh, there's this, uh, I think there's thousands upon thousands of, of shuttle buses um, running from. They run from you know a lot of the fans of the fan, the main fan zone, plus other fan areas, some accommodation areas to the stadiums and around you know around the city. I believe there's even they even have stadium to stadium buses as well. So if you're going to say the first and the third match in the day, you can get a bus 
directly from the first stadium to the third stadium. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, in between. So there's, there's a huge amount of buses, you know, running to and from stadiums and, and, you know, to the fan zones and other areas as well. Um, and then, you know, you've got the regular taxis as well. There's some areas, you know, dedicated uh, roads that are just be for, you know, just be for taxis, which are hopefully speed up a little bit. Um, you've yeah. got the regular meter taxis, you know, you've got Uber. And then there's also another company called Kareem, which works in the same way as Uber. And these also have the special, the same, uh, I went in, I was in an Uber the other day and they have a, a permit, you know, on the winds, on the windscreen, which will allow them to go into the special taxi lanes, you know, and, and, ah. and park outside the stadiums to pick people up. So you have, you know, you, you have this, the taxis is also a good opportunity as well. Maybe, for example, when England play up in, up in Albaid, you know, for the USA game and potentially knockout matches, which is obviously out of town, you know, taxi might be a better bet, you know, uh, to, to get to be quicker to get to and from. Yeah. Okay. That, that's good. Well, let's, let's move on and, and round it up with the, the time we've got left with just some, some questions that people have sent in. Hopefully we can just put some answers to these. Um, thanks to Sam Farley. He writes uh, a couple based around free time. Firstly, what are the best things to do in your free time in Doha, which aren't shopping malls, stuff like museums, cycling? Are there any sort of small towns, areas in the rest of the country that are worth a visit? Uh, and third and finally, any info on local Qatari food? Uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, in terms of things to do, it's not just all about shopping malls, which uh, <laughs> some people think. We have things like... Um, if you, outside let's start with outside of the city for example there are some a number of towns small small sort of towns and villages some fishing villages some small sort of forts and these sorts of things potentially could be worth hiring a car for a day or two to go and see some of these places uh, sort of to, to the north you have Alcor, uh not too far from our Bayek stadium uh, mangroves and things like that there so you know some water sports and activities like that would be quite a quite a good thing to do or something a bit different uh, mm-hmm. rather than being you know in, in, inside the city and also some a lot of fans are doing things like desert safari trips mm-hmm. uh, as well you know on the dunes and things i know that some of the companies are trying to charge a little bit more in some cases but i know some guys have managed to get some reasonable deals uh, you know reasonably priced trips on these things as well inside the city you know things like museums you know there, there are lots of things like that uh, I, I believe there's something called a qatar one pass which they're releasing which is kind of i think they have different packages and it will give you things like uh free passes into museums i think some discounts on restaurants as well and a few things like that as well some of the exhibitions as well so it could be worth having a look at uh having a look at that sort of stuff as well yeah that's a good idea and yeah local food local qatari food what's on the uh, what's on the menu qatari food is, i mean it's, it's things like think of something along the lines of uh meat slow cooked meat you know, uh, with with rice and vegetables um served in sort of large sort of you know platters large trays and Quite commonly, people will sit on the floor, you know, eating it, eating it with their hands. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, things like lamb and sometimes fish and goat as well from time to time. And that, that's sort of, yeah, one, one of the sort of uh, classic uh, sort of category dishes. And you'll find it in places like the souk, you know, if you, if you want to try and uh, try it out. Of, of course, there's obviously lots of, uh, lots of Arabic cuisine as well from, from within the region, you know, whether it's Egyptian, Lebanese. Sudanese, anything like that, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, quite a quite a range of, of cuisines. Yeah, I mean, this this might sound incredibly barbaric, but can you get ketchup over in Qatar? I know you many English people. Uh, any, many you get, English people you can like get that. everything, <laughs> everything but pork, everything but pork. Of so, course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all yeah. cuisines here, uh, you know, even if if I get a takeaway here, the choices, you know, it's immense. Just everything, almost everything you you, you know you want. So there's certainly. Uh, 
plenty of choice whether you're a fast eater or not you know whether you want to do simple mcdonald's or you want to try something a bit more exotic everything is uh, everything is here for you good stuff I know Ian Ratcliffe also sent us a message um, just about COVID-related and dress code. I know we've covered that. Um, yes. So, yeah, hopefully that we've answered that one for you, Ian. Matt um, sent us a message. Um, yeah, I mean, it may be something that crosses um, their mind. Dry cleaning. Um, are there laundrettes over in, in Qatar? Uh there are there are there are laundry services. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think back to to when I very first moved in. You know, oh, for yeah. the first two months, I was on my own, and in, in the apartment I was in, there was a there was a dry cleaner where I sent my shirts every week for work <laughs> <laughs> to be clean. Um, but of course, people staying in places like apartments and villas, of course, you have all hotels. It's all going to be there. I'm, I'm thinking more about the, the fan villages. Uh, I'm not so sure. Well, that I mean, it's probably in the description somewhere on the accommodation site. Yeah. Uh, I like to think that they've catered to you know these sorts of things. I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but I like to think that uh, uh, this sort of stuff is available. Uh, yeah. uh, but I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, England fans are not too fast as long as they can get somewhere to uh, Turn- running some running water, right? So yeah, yeah. turn them inside out. Um, yeah, been to, we've been to worse places, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, just just one final thing before I let you go. I think England fans obviously like to to take their flags and show off the uh, the flags all around the stadium. Are there any restrictions that you know of that come about with flags that have been mentioned by the authorities? Uh, in terms of the taking the flags, uh, I think uh, there is a size limit. And, and once it's beyond the size limit, there is, a, there is a form you have to essentially apply to take your flag right. uh, into the stadium. And I know a lot of people have been doing this. I think the restrictions, is, is, I'm, I'm assuming it's, it's quite similar to maybe previous World Cups, you know, uh, up to the size or other, you know other other events where you can take a flag up there's a certain it's all online somewhere but there's a certain size you can take a flag and i know that other people have been applying they've been i think you can email the supreme committee or people have a copies of the forms you, you put the dimensions i think a picture of the flag and, and and what games you want to take it to and i think once that's approved you you could take that to the stadium and they let they let you hang the flags you know so you'll see uh, you'll see all the England flags up in the stadium like you would any any World Cup. Always a great sight, that. Okay. Yes, oh, yes. Nice one. Um, ben, many thanks for uh, for joining us, um, not just this time, but the time before as well. I know many England fans have uh, appreciate your input and little in- insights as to uh, what it's like over there. And, yeah, all, all I can say is I, I wish you a, a fantastic World Cup. It must be amazing to... So it's it's a home World Cup almost for you, essentially. Essentially, a home World Cup where I, you know I'm going to get to go to not just England games, but I think that's the beauty of it. You know, a lot of people coming here. You know, I, I know a lot of England fans. 10, 20 plus games they're going to. You know, wow. uh, because it, it probably never happened again. You know, in this yeah. you know where you can go to so many. Um, so we talk about things to do, but a lot of people are going to be spending all their half their time in the stadiums. So. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> well, but no. uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I'm happy to help. Um, happy to answer questions of people still out leading up into the tournament during the tournament. Um, like I said, we're all really excited now here, and uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Oh, I wish you all the best, and yeah, let's let's hope that uh, let's hope that England can win it. Well, at least, yeah, let's at least get at least not embarrass ourselves. I think that's the, that's yeah, the yeah. point I'm at now. I just you know don't yeah. end up being our worst World Cup. You know, at least. <laughs> very true, Ben. Once again, thank you very much. No worries. Thank you.
Now, it's good to welcome back to the Three Lions podcast, Chelsea and England fan, Canal Sapats. Canal, you all right, mate? Hello, how's it going, mate? Very well, thank you. Obviously, we know you from Block 109 as well. Um, right, yeah. Now, you recently went to Qatar as a fan leader. How did all That's that come right. about? So I've been part of this fan leader network since early in the year. I think last year, the Qatar World Cup organisers launched this fan leader network. I think they had idea to sort of engage with fans throughout the world earlier on. Um, and to get people involved in this tournament. Yeah. I think my name was put forward and then I sort of, um, you know, got selected, went through the process and have been getting various bits of information, you know, about the World Cup from the organisers. I've got other friends who are, you know, doing the same thing as fan leaders. And then I think towards the end of August, they announced that there was going to be a, a fan delegation event in Doha early September for, you know, selected lucky um, fans. And I was just fortunate enough to be selected as one of them after applying to um, attend this um, delegation. I went over to Doha for four days and it gave me a little bit of a sort of a taste of what's to come um, in November. Okay, let's start at the beginning, sort of how easy or the beginning of your trip how easy was it to get into Qatar? What did you have to to do? Because obviously people are talking about the, the COVID requirements, as which I've been speaking with Ben Williams about. But how did you find it? At the time I went, I had to do a PCR test, you know, within 48 hours before flying. I think the requirements have now changed. And well, I think an uh, antigen test 24 hours before will be all right by the time it comes to the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, but I did have to go to a test centre to get the PCR test done. Um, you know, I couldn't do it at home. It okay. wasn't one of those I could post off. Um, I, I went to a centre somewhere in London, got it done, and, and I had to make sure that was all in place before I was flying. Um, that was one part of it. But the other part of it, I think Qatar have this thing called Ethras, which the, I guess is their sort of version of a COVID app. Right. And... That app only works once you're actually in Doha, but I did have to register on the website before going. When I landed in Doha, they did check the documents from that registration, I think, um, on arrival. But in terms of the app, I only read the sort of was able to register and, and sort of use the app after I was in Doha because I think you need a low, um, sort of local uh, Wi Fi or local number. Well, actually, it worked with my normal um, English number, but um, I did need to be connected to local networks to be able to uh, register on the app. And okay. that app was, I guess, when we went to different places, like entering hotels or some restaurants, some of those places they were asking to have a look at that app. Right. They didn't ask everywhere, but they asked in a few places. So I don't know whether that will change or not by the time it comes to the World Cup, but when I went, it was required in certain places. Okay, fair enough. Good to know. Obviously, you, you've been out there with the, is it the Haya visa? Uh, yeah, so when I went out there, I required the app to go to the match I went to there, which was the Lucille Super Cup. However, the time I went there, 
the high acting as the sort of visa and entry permit that wasn't active at that point that comes into play at the start of november i believe ahead of the world cup oh, so okay. between the, the between the start of november and i think uh, probably in january or something um that will act as a visa and entry permit into qatar when i went i needed to go through the normal visa requirements which was arranged by the qatar supreme committee who had organized it for the fan delegation um, we had to send our documents and they sent us the various entry permits and requirements that we required so a slight difference in what will happen when we go in november because we will all be required to have the higher card but when i went i mean september i still had to go through sort of the visa and entry permit requirements that would be required outside of the world cup fair enough okay i understand so you went for the the lucille super cup which was a match between al hai and zalek i believe that's right um the, yeah it's a, a team from saudi arabia and, and egypt and you know it was um it was the first i believe near full capacity game at the lucille stadium you know it was a good atmosphere both teams were up for it you know they'd brought a number of fans over and it did give a sort of bit of a taste of atmosphere what it could be like during the world cup obviously it'll be slightly different but you know just see the stadium where the world cup final will be held and sort of get an idea of the logistics that that was interesting to see so what what were the logistics i guess of of you getting into the ground was it straightforward what did you have to show any documentation to get in id so it was three step process so when we got to the stadium the first thing that they asked for was our ethras app which was the covid app which i was just talking about mm. that they checked that at the start of the queue then we queued up and then they checked our higher app um to check that's active and then and scan that and then they scanned our tickets to get to this security checkpoint which is your airport security type procedure and once we were through that um we were sort of in the perimeter around the stadium where there were some kiosks some music being played mm. there wasn't a lot there for the Lucille Cup there was some kiosks and there was some music but there was a lot of empty space which during the world cup there will be a lot more going on with a lot more kiosks and a lot more i guess entertainment and things going on around the surroundings of the stadium right. uh but this process from the point of the ethras up being checked higher being checked ticket being scanned and you know getting through the security check and queuing up that on that day it took me about 20 minutes give or take okay so people uh, need to give good time to get in Yeah, I mean especially I mean I imagine it'll be a lot busier during the World Cup. So uh, I would allow a bit of time to get through that because if there is any problems with any of that it happened to one of the fan delegation members fr- from another country his high app wasn't working and he had to go to the help desk which they'd set up for the hire and we didn't see him till about 10 minutes before kick off because um even though it wasn't that busy um in terms of uh, problems for high up for people it still took them a bit of time to 
sort problems out and to get in. And I imagine during the World Cup, there might be others with, you know, with technical problems or their phone, you know, issues on their phone or whatever. Mm. So I would definitely allow a bit of time to, you know, get there because once you're in the perimeter, you can then enjoy yourselves, you know, have a drink, enjoy the atmosphere, but allow a bit of time. I would, I would say during the World Cup. Okay, good advice. Well, you did mention it there. You get yourself a drink. Did you manage to get a uh, get a beer or an alcoholic drink out there? Um, not at the match because at, at that match they weren't serving any. But I did manage to get drinks at bars, you know, outside the stadium, um, sort of away from the stadium. Mm. Um, you know, I believe during the World Cup there will be bars around in the perimeters of the stadium, the, in the official kiosk. So there will be some beer. During my trip, I did manage to get some beer and and you know have some drinks, but this was mo- mostly in sort of bars at the hotel we were staying at and a couple of other bars um, which we visited whilst we were there. Okay, well, I know as well, seeing from some of your social media posts, that you managed to get to uh, a couple of other grounds. I believe you did. You get to the ground where England will be playing Wales. That's right. Um, so on one of the days, we got to have a tour of the Ahmed Bin Ali Stadium, which is the stadium where England are playing Wales. So got to go in, have a walk around the stadium, have a look. We went in the changing rooms. We went around. We had a sort of an idea of where the England fans will be located based on the tickets I think have been allocated. And it it seemed a good, you know, good-sized stadium, a decent, you know, modern stadium, you know, a good access to the metro from that stadium, actually. Yeah, and there was, I believe, there was a shopping mall not too far from that stadium, actually. So, um, I mean, all the stadiums are different, but I, I believe this stadium was quite accessible. Um, you know, if you're getting there by public transport, or you know, if you're, you know, going around nearby areas, and yeah, this was, you know, the stadium seemed set up, you know, in the right way, um, you know, for the England Wales game, but also the other games that will be at that stadium. Good to know. Accommodation. Obviously, you, you've spent a few nights out there. Was was the accommodation you had sort of accommodation that's going to be used during the the tournament? What was it like? How did you find so, it? So, um, where I stayed during my stay was one of the one of the big hotels, which will be used during the World Cup um, as one of the accommodation options. However, I know that during the World Cup. You know, there's varying costs in the, you know, the different accommodations. There's apartments, fan villages, hotels. Um, I suppose the hotel that I stayed in probably during the World Cup, it will, you know, I guess it'll be probably one of the more costly options right. during the World Cup, but it is one of the options. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was a hotel that was quite centrally located. So, you know, you're quite near to everything. Easy access to metro, easy access to you know a num- number of popular spots. So it was a good location in West Bay of um, area of Doha. Um, but yeah, during the World Cup, as I said, you know it may be one of the costlier options. The other options in terms of accommodation, apartments, fan villages. I actually did sort of see from the outside one of the fan villages um, that was being built. You know, the location was good. It was being built. So it was in progress, but no. it was getting there when I okay. went past it. Overall, have you, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Qatar before, but overall, what was your general experience? How did, how did you find it? 
Um, well, it's the first time I've been to Doha. I mean, I've been to other places in nearby countries, but I've not been to Doha. Mm. First of all, it was very hot. So I right. bring a lot of sun cream. Um, <laughs> it might be a bit cooler in November, but it's, it'll certainly be it'll certainly be warm. Like myself, if if you like to have a beer or two, I would say this will be a different sort of World Cup in the sense that in a lot of places, to get a pint of beer was, I guess, a bit ex- more expensive than what we're used to. Yeah. But what I did discover is that there are a lot of places you can go where they they do have deals and it would probably be best to stick to those sort of deals during the World Cup uh, when they have happy hours and sort of various different deals going on. In terms of how it is in general, I found the lo- locals or the people I did meet to be quite friendly. I met fans of the other countries who were part of the delegation when you know, everyone was excited for the World Cup. So I think the fact that everything's close together and there'll be all the fans in close proximity, that could create a good sort of party atmosphere. And, you know, the locals that I came across were, you know, they were quite friendly. Um, but it's one thing to be aware of is that it will be a different kind of World Cup. You know, you won't be able to sort of, if you'd like to have, a, I guess, a pint of beer or two, you won't be able to do that all day, every day, because uh, you'll probably uh, be spending a lot of money if you do that. Right. Um, but you, you, there are deals out there. And, you know, there are a lot of other things to do. Like whilst we were out there, you know, we went on a desert safari, which was a good and unique, different experience. So there are different things to do. And from the information that, you know, the, the organizers shared with us, there are various things that, are being planned. You know, okay. I'm, we're still seeing different information about various ongoing festivals and um, activities that are going to be happening during the World Cup. So it'll be interesting to see the end product when it comes to November. I mean, my overall like sort of take on it is it will be a good World Cup. It'll just be like a different World Cup, and but you know, I guess it's something to look forward to in a different sort of way. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Well. Before I let you go, as we said at the the very beginning, you, you're part of the Block 109 fan group, um, one of the instigators of it, in fact. And I know that you've been arranging some events for when England fans are over there in Qatar, like pre pre drinks, pre meetups, um, in advance of some of the some of England's games. I don't know if you want to just give that a plug if yeah. you've still got space for some of them. Yeah, so um, we, we've actually organised two events. Um, we've organised an event on the day of the USA game, uh, uh, a brunch, you know, like a sort of all-you-can-eat-and-drink all sort of uh, brunch uh, thing at Red Line Pub in Doha. I think we still had a few spaces left if, you know, if people are quick. That we will be having over 100 people, probably more, um, at this event. And also we've organised a party the night before Wells at another bar, which also includes food and drink. That should be a good night. Um, And, yeah, we still have some spaces. And, you know, like, you know, we're trying to get England fans together. And I I was actually able to look at some of these venues whilst I was out in Doha. So, you know, I had a good insight into uh, places to look at for events. And yeah, just looking forward to a couple of fun nights, and we may even plan some more events um, if we're, if we progress further in the World Cup. So if if someone's listening to this and thinks, yeah, I quite fancy that, it's an ideal opportunity to uh, to meet some fellow England fans for maybe a a lone traveller. What's what's the best way to get in touch um, with you guys? 
So they can DM us on Twitter or if they drop us an email at info at block109.co.uk and then we'll get back to them um, about, you know, spaces and um, let them know about details about the events. Sounds good. I uh, wish you all, all the very best of luck with that. Canal, thank you very much, thank as you. always, for uh, for joining us. Always good to, to speak to you. And no doubt I'll, uh, I'll speak to you in the near future. Yeah, nice one. My many thanks go to Canal Support there and also to Ben Williams for his time. Very much appreciated. And I hope that it has been of help to you as you may prepare to head over to Qatar and the surrounding region. As I mentioned, I'd spoken with Ben before. That was episode 201. And before that, I spoke with Arjun Vara, another fan leader. That episode you can listen to is number 182. Both really informative. I'm fairly confident that the tournament will be a huge success. Let's be honest, FIFA can't afford for it not to be. As I said, despite my reservations, I will be highly envious of all those that are going. So I wish you safe travels. And please, go on, come home with a trophy. I'll have plenty more podcasts in the run-up to the competition, so please stay subscribed and you won't miss them. So until then, look after yourselves, take care, cheers. Cheers.